Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is Monday, July 20th, 2020, and it is time, donks, for Morning Combat. Hi, everyone. I am one half of your hosting duo. My name is Luke Thomas. I am joined by the gentleman on that side of the screen who you know and love from CBS Sports. He is the conspiracy to my theory, the one and only Brian Campbell. BC, how are you doing today? Uh, Fired the heck up, Luke, on so many fronts. Yes, it's BC and Professor S and the P want to kick with us cool we're wicked G, we'll hit the skins but never quickly, and we're back, Luke, with a bang. If people could only see the way we love them, then maybe they would understand, Luke, that big things are happening in the MK universe. I wish I could show, you know, I wish I could show you mine, maybe you could show me yours, but uh, I think we could take it in steps, and today we got a fairly big announcement and reveal. Yeah, we certainly do. I don't want to give too much away. I'm going to just let it sort of play out. Um, also, BC, I don't always read the comments on YouTube, but I did, I think, for the last one. I like to just check in now and again, and they were great. They were positive, some good things, some bad things. But I did notice one thing, BC. People wait until I'm done with this preamble, and then they post the timestamp so they can skip all of that, to which I say... Please don't do that. If you want to mute me, maybe you can mute me, but at least see the gestures, BC, that they should give this video a thumbs up, that they should hit the subscribe button on the uh, channel now because it really helps us. It's really important, and we need that from them. I know a bunch already have, especially from last week, so we appreciate all the new subscribers. But BC, they got to know we need their participation. It's not a me and you thing. It's a we thing. Yeah, it is. It is. And look, we to be honest, we want to wake up where you are and – you know, we won't touch anything at all, but but why don't you slide into our DMs, into that, that little button there to click? Uh, because I say it a lot, and people say, okay, I'm getting tired of hearing that this rocket ship is taking off. I'm telling you, okay? Happy endings for all, craft included. Uh, but uh, get on board now, because fights are, are, are ongoing, but a lot more fights are coming. We're going to be a big part of taking you along on that journey. Yeah, we certainly are. So uh, do us a favor, of course, subscribe, uh, like the video, share it with a friend. Of course, if you'd like to try Showtime, the very company who makes this possible, you can go to Showtime.com right now for a 30-day free trial. If you like it, uh, you can keep it. You can watch the great documentary series Outcry, which, BC, we were ahead of the curve. People are finally beginning to figure out it's actually really good. We're biased, but by all means, take the Pepsi Challenge. Or if you don't like Showtime because you're uh, you know, a stupid person, you can just leave it alone and go away. <laughs> and, BC, if they want some merch, how do they get it? Uh, they can go to uh, store.show.com. Yes, something clo- there it something is. Something close to that. But here's the deal. Look. The reviews have been overwhelming from one thing. Love us, I hate us, I don't care. Hate our designs, I don't care. But this shit's comfortable, okay? And everyone is saying it. High quality, whether you're drinking out of that coffee mug or putting on that sweatshirt. So join the revolution. Let your voice be heard by what's on your clothing, okay? MK, we're coming for you. We're coming, okay? All right. COM, we're coming for you. I'm telling well, you. That, All with, right, join with us. that in mind... With that in mind, we have to get this party started. So let's go to our first of our five major topics, BC. UFC Fight Night, I think it was 172, UFC Fight Island 3, whatever the hell it was. Your main event, Joseph Benavides, loses in the, via first round, I guess, submission, although he didn't submit, to uh, Devison Figueredo. So Devison Figueredo is now your new UFC flyweight champion. This was an absolute 
beating from pillar to post. Uh, they only scored two knockdowns, but really it was kind of three to the naked eye. Four submission attempts, back mount, full mount. BC, 40 of 45 strikes total landed. He had 87% Figueredo did of significant strikes landed. This was, I mean, for, for Joseph Benavidez to last as long as he did was frankly kind of incredible. Some of those rear naked choke attempts he got out of were amazing. So go first on this one. Here is the question I want to start with first. What is Joseph Benavidez's legacy now? Yeah, yeah, I don't want to bury the lead of welcome to the Figueredo era, but for Benavidez, he was the storyline coming in, Luke, and it's, it, you hate to say it, but his, his, his legacy is that he's a great fighter who ended up in that other conversation as one of the greatest bridesmaids title-wise in UFC history. He'll be on that list with Dan Henderson, with Uriah Faber. His story a little bit more heartbreaking because he never did get a big title in any of the major organizations, but he was of that ilk for many years. Uh, pushed Demetrius Johnson to the limit in the inaugural flyweight title fight, won the first flyweight bout in company history, and then was still relevant almost a decade later at 35. But when you go for the belt four times and you come up empty, in the uh, you know you are who you are at the end of the day. And this was obviously the most heartbreaking, Luke, because karma was setting you up for a good ending, right? It was Bispingian up in here, considering the heartbreak of a guy missing weight last fight headbutt knockout all that wife scooping you up off the canvas and then you come back and you get one more chance uh luke i i can fall in love with a storyline with the magic rather than the x's and o's when you're handicapping a fight and i wanted to believe in jujitsu here i felt that you know karma was going to come around and be on his side but uh he he ran into a freaking buzzsaw and uh good lord uh luke when you talk about in ufc history uh, you, can ca you can win a title, you can capture a title, or you can freaking seize it. There have been seizures in UFC history. John Jones, Shogun Hua, right? Uh, Adesanya, Robert Whitaker, where it's like, I think I know how good this guy is. And then he goes in and, and you know, sort of steers the direction, writes a new chapter. That's what Davison Figueredo did on Saturday night. So give us the Joe Benavidez, you know, soliloquies slash, uh, you know, obituaries hair. But this was all about that crazy Brazilian with the, with the colorful hair. Uh, wow. Wow. So if you look at Joseph Benavidez's losses, he has uh, in three separate occasions, or at least in three separate pairs, lost to the same person. Lost twice to Dominic Cruz. Lost twice to Demetrius Johnson, and now has lost twice to Devison Figueredo. But there's a big difference between the Figueredo losses and then the other four that I spoke of. Namely, in fighting Dominic Cruz twice, Joseph Benavidez lost one time via split decision. In fighting Demetrius Johnson twice, he lost one of those times via split decision. And in fact, uh, the other one of these losses that deserves to be mentioned, although it's not part of the pairing, is Sergio Pettis. He lost that via split decision. Now, he's got some split decision wins, too, so he's come up short. He's come up, uh, you know, roses in other times. But this is the first time he's been finished in any kind of loss where he had a pairing with another person. Uh, excuse me, well, yeah, both times, because Johnson finished him one time, but not the other. This has never happened to him. He's never had back-to-back -back losses, obviously, to the same guy. Well, that's weird that you ever get him in that situation anyway but what this shows is i think two things right one three things one figueredo is a buzzsaw as you mentioned two i just think at 35 years of age at flyweight and the miles that he's had at this point he's just not going to be as resilient as he needs to be to stand up under the firepower of some of these newer guys 
And then three, it's like if in all these different iterations where against Dominic Cruz, it was up a weight class and it was WEC. And then against Johnson, okay, it was UFC, it was flyweight, but you still came up short twice. And then you finally get back to a spot where you can contend for a title and you take the worst consecutive L's of your career by a mile. It just kind of shows you on the one hand, the good thing is he is absolutely one of the very best fighters to never hold a UFC title. And I almost hate that designation because I don't think BC that measuring greatness strictly by title accumulation is the only or even best way to do it, but it is a pretty handy way to do it. It is good shorthand. It is a common metric that we all rely upon. And at every interval where he could have crossed that line, he just didn't. So the story is a little bit of both. It's that this guy was absolutely tremendous, a pioneer, a credit to the sport, a guy who gave every part of himself in service to a goal that he couldn't reach. But most people, I wrote this on Twitter on Saturday Night BC, most people don't even know how to give themselves to that kind of pursuit. They don't have that yeah. kind of grit and perseverance. And he did. And I take that seriously. On the other hand, when you come up short in the particular ways and those pairings that I mentioned, it just goes to show you, you were very special, very talented, but not quite the, ever the man in your weight class during your era. Yeah, and, and you know, all the stuff that you laid out about him being a credit to the sport and a guy who does it right. And I mean, look, I've been asking him about this bridesmaid theory for about five years in interviews, and he always handles it so perfectly and putting what the title actually means in perspective, not making that as the ultimate definer of who he is. And, uh, you know, he stayed relevant up until late in his career. It doesn't mean his career is over now, but it's certainly in the final stages. But I, I do want to give a quick shout out before we rightfully laud Figueredo of just like, it's got to be hard for Benavidez and Megan Oliva to live, you know, this sort of public relationship and be so vulnerable. And I thought the UFC put out a great video package after his loss to Figueredo in Norfolk that was very, like, behind the curtains of what this is like. And, you know, the two of them have carried this out with a ton of honesty and class. So I give them their credit. But, Luke, it's time for me now to bang the drum of all things Davison Figueredo. 19-1. and one. I was late to the party. I'm going to say it right now. In really uh, appreciating who this guy is and the threat that he brings to this division as a you know headhunter buzzsaw with big power, but a guy who's just hungry, who's aggressive, his balls on the ground, can finish you in a lot of different ways. Um, Luke, this was exactly what the flyweight division needed. So did Henry Cejudo's star power rescue and save it? Yes, from where Demetrius Johnson left it, even though, as we know, none of that really is fault. It is what it is. But uh, we looked at this flyweight thing up and down after Cejudo dropped the belt and basically said, okay, we can get a good story if Benavidez wins it for one fight. But, you know, where is our John Wayne, right? You know, where is our happy ending? Where, in fact, have all the Cowboys gone? Uh, Luke, we got a lone frickin' ranger right here in Deviston Figueredo. He is an absolute unyielding badass who talks shit backs it up, walks around like he owns the whole organization. He's everything I think we want and need right now because if you look at his, his recent fights, there are, there's a fun group building at 125, and they're a little bit unlike the guys of old. We, we think of 125 as a track meet, rightfully so, and you'll get that. You know, We got that in Askarov Pantoja on Saturday, which we'll get into. But you look at the, the recent fights of uh, the intention of these guys going for finishes, any... Any absolute combination you can make forward of Figueredo and those names around the top five, you're going to get badass fights. So this night on Saturday was all about the flyweights, and I'm, I couldn't be more excited about the division's future. 
And I have to say this, I, you know, Figueredo, there's a video floating around on Twitter. I'm not sure. You can Google around for it. Uh, the guy apparently is a very good and talented sushi chef and hairdresser. I'm not making that up. He actually does women's hair. Uh, and so, you know, I don't know what that says about the guy, except maybe he's a renaissance man. I do know this, BC, with the power that he has. I mean, he is absolutely just a dramatic force physically in that division. He's big. His jiu-jitsu is phenomenal. The thing I think about is when this whole COVID thing is over, whenever the hell that's going to be, you know, getting back to some of these markets that have been underserved is going to be key. Now, maybe Figueiredo's the champion then, maybe he's not. All I'm saying is for the UFC to have now two Brazilian champions, one in Amanda Nunes and now one in Devison Figueiredo, they almost had three if Aldo had one against Jan. And, of course, they may get another one with Paulo Costa, which we'll talk about later. It's good for their business. That's In Brazil, MMA is the second biggest sport behind soccer. And so to have another person in that country who can carry the flag, it matters. It does matter. Maybe not right now. We don't feel it because we're all kind of trapped inside of our homes, quite literally. But I think over time, you know, making sure that there are high-level Brazilians in rotation who are can win ufc titles that is good for the ufc's business so just in looking at the bigger picture there is something to kind of cheer here now yeah it takes and, and by the way nobody submits joseph benavidez and he just went out there and put the guy to freaking sleep i mean luke this was a seizure this was a statement of yeah. his badassery i mean could you imagine what fights between him and brandon moreno askarov rematches with pantoja what that could look like over the next two years i'm strapped in luke okay it could, be quite, it could be quite good. Now, let's get to that co-main event, if we can. Kelvin Gastelum at 185 uh, in his return fight to Dar- since Darren Till, losing to that one uh, yeah, by split decision. He loses to Jack Hermanson. And talk about quick, dominant finishes, BC. I guess he had the lateral drop, so that was nice. But go first on this one, please, good sir. This was a very bad loss. Heel hook victory for Jack Hermanson in, I think, I don't know, 90 seconds or something like that. It was pretty quick. Um Okay, that's three losses in a row, BC, for a guy like Kelvin Gastelum, who just a year or two ago was a title contender. So the question for you is, does this loss prove that at 185, Kelvin Gastelum is not elite? I mean, the evidence is too damning. Yes, and I hate saying that. Look, I don't have a future champion Kevin Lee like lustful relationship with this man's uh future ceiling okay but I do believe in Kelvin Gastelum I was cage side UFC 236 for that ultimate Adesanya war in which I think that night he finally you know shed all the crap that got in his way and figured out on one night how to be the best he could be he didn't win but it was a massive stock riser but he can't put it together Luke you know I, I don't know if I'm going to sit here and say You should have been a welterweight all along. Go back and get disciplined. I don't even know if that's true. I don't know his body, but he just can't seem to put it together. Uh, This is a disastrous loss, and the only way that I hedge that slightly is that he's he's 28. And look, in the UFC, you you know you can take learning lessons from losses, and if you have a name, you're always two wins away from being back in there. But where we stand in a crowded title picture in this division with, you know, the Whitaker-Till fight coming up, with Costa, with Cannoneer coming back from injury, this is a really bad loss to be thrown back to the pack. You saw the shape Kelvin Gastelum came in with, you know, had the little man bun too. I think that showed me an extreme level of focus and belief that he needed this win, and he did. And Luke, he didn't lose it in a factor which outright told us he's not elite. Like, I have to say he's not elite because Bill Parcells told us you are what your record is, right? Like, there's only mm. so much you can defend a guy with that type of streak lately. 
But this was one of those losses where it almost didn't count. It's it's Frank Mir against Brock Lesnar one. We didn't see out of this matchup everything we were supposed to have seen. But that doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's an L. And uh, yeah, I can no longer, uh, you know, I have to remove myself from the Kevin, Kelvin Gastelum train for a while. Um, young enough to still make a difference, Luke. But, you know, his prime window, it's got a lot of missteps during it. Yeah, I mean, here's the funny part about it to me. It's like folks are like, oh, well, when John Jones came up through light heavyweight, he was beating a lot of older guys, which is really totally oversold because uh, I actually did the math on it. The average age was about 29 and a half through the top 10 of that division. So it's just not even true. But let's just say for a second that it was true. Okay, well, after he beat all of those older dudes, then he beat all of the younger ones too, right? I mean, oops, is that my phone? In my pocket? They're, they're hey, calling you, the Luke. alarm going off. That's fun. Come on. Um, come on, Luke. I know. It's a professional show. Okay? Uh, uh, what Don't am I doing me, here? What I am I doing sub here? you out and put in Jay so quickly, okay? Thank okay, you. so Keep here's going. the deal that I would add to this. He went ahead and beat him anyway. So in this particular case, you can look back at Gastelum's wins over Vitor Belfort. That got turned into a no contest. But then Bisping, uh, Tim Kennedy, the Jacare win was a little bit dicey. You know, that kind of a thing. So it tells you that there is a bit of a difference between what you can do against the sort of the older guard and the newer guard. That's the first thing I'd say. The second thing I'd say is, you know, is he elite at 185? Not at this moment. Now, at 28, which you noted, maybe he can figure it out and get back to that point again. Okay, that's certainly possible as well. So I leave that up. But I would say he is the victim here of something. Not that he hasn't made his own missteps, but honestly, I just don't think he's big enough to be competing with the modern middleweight guys. Now, Jared Cannonier is not the biggest guy either, and he beat Jack Hermanson. So it's not you know an every-size-fits-all kind of argument, but I just don't think, like, against Chris Weidman, he was too big. Against a big, strong guy like Jack Hermanson, yes, Gastelum can have these moments, but it, it, it's hard for him to sustain it. And when a guy like Jack Hermanson early in a fight is cranking on a heel hook, and a pretty good one at that, I'm going to have a, a discussion about it on MMA uh, Morning Combat Dissected, Here's what I mean, BC. This is why there should be a 175-pound weight class, which means there should be a 165-pound weight class. If we had 165 and you could bump welterweight up to 175 and then 185, I think you would have a case where he wouldn't have to kill himself to get to 170. He'd have that five, um, sometimes six-pound allowance going up to 176, and you'd get the most out of a guy who is clearly quite talented, who is clearly quite special, but constantly up against a situation that is just not advantageous for him. And so to me, the big picture is here, yes, he's talented, but I don't think 185 is a home for him. I think they should have a 165 and a 175, and I've done the work on this, BC. I've done a draft to see what would happen if you pulled from 155 and then you pulled from 170 and you made one down the middle. It can be done, and you can still have three very, very talented divisions. But as long as that's not the case, honestly, Kelvin Gastelum is stuck between a rock and a hard place. He is. He is straight up, you know, and we should be talking more about Jack Hermanson's, you know, five wins and six fights and, and you know, he just well, beat a big name, but again, well, was, it wasn't was, one of those wins gonna, Luke, where I'm, where I'm fully satisfied. Hold on, hold, on, hold on, answer this question for me because I think it will get to it. What would you say is Kelvin Gastelum's best win? <laughs> the right, that's the problem. The resume, right? The Bisping knockout doesn't really count. The the Jacare split decision was a little, you know, close and wonky. Uh, yeah, when you don't have that one hit, 
on your, you know, uh, that, that you can go back on, it, it's hard to lean on. I don't know off the top of my head. I mean, what, what, what has he done? You know, is there a bigger welterweight win I'm forgetting before he was forced out? No. Uh, uh, yeah, two, two of the big ones would be the Rick Story wins and then the Jake Ellenberger win. Neither of those feel like big wins in 2020, although I certainly respect how tough those guys were at those times. Yeah, this guy that, uh, you know, the people that said he got by on reputation to a degree, uh, you know, are, are in what you've seen at times, the flashes of brilliance, it's true. There's something missing there. And maybe that's the only way it connects with the Kevin Lee conversation where I see the full body of talent, but something's missing from making that, that step to the next level. Uh, do you like my idea of, I mean, you know, UFC is going to tell me to pound sand, but what do you make of 165, 175, especially coming I mean, I from certainly, the boxing I certainly world. like the spirit of that idea, Luke, because it, it seems to be a, a, a black hole where you can get caught in the middle there being, you know, too small, too big for the respective weight class. But they have eight divisions. And as I've said it before, as a boxing fan, right, we, we think back to the glory days of eight divisions, one champion per division. You always knew who was the man. Now in boxing, it's just such a bastardized reality that I, I'm of, I, I hesitate the idea because then you go, okay, let's add 65. We'll bump up middleweight up to, or, or welterweight up to 75. And, uh, hey, we might as well do a 95, you know? And, we, and hey, well, how about 215 junior heavy? No, no, get the, get the frick out of here. Uh, let's keep it where we are now. Look, you're going to have some guys where it's heartbreaking, okay? It is what it is, right? There's going to be small heavyweights who can't make 205 either. You do have to adjust and figure it out, Luke, okay? Yeah, I and mean, by the way, to, to be clear, BC, I'm not arguing we should make 165 and then ultimately welterweight 175 on account of Kelvin Gaston, like, hey, let's do Kelvin a solid. I, I don't mean that. Like, if you're going to make new weight classes, you have to have a very good, broad, sweeping reason to do it, uh, and we can have that debate. I just mean to say, let's, let's assume for a second, we were all convinced 165 was a good idea. My argument is Kelvin would, I think, be a very strong beneficiary of that. And I guess the last thing I'd say is, I don't know, man, if he can find a way to get back down to 170, and when I say that, I don't mean... You know, hey, just try it out. No, I mean like with a real nutritionist, a real discipline, real game plan, and so that you can reliably make it every time that you need to, including, by the way, 170 on the nugget for title opportunities, then I think he should go back to welterweight. At 28 years old, there's still a lot of time there. I think he'd be very competitive with some of the Colby Covingtons and Jorge Masvidal's and um, some of the other figures in that division. So I think that's the best opportunity for him, Luke. assuming he can get that right. Uh, BC, very quickly. Quickly here, because yes. Jay's going to pass a kidney stone here, but people want to hear about this type of stuff. Would you be okay with a middle ground in which the UFC kept the BMF title around and made it feel like a quasi-title and we only tried to match action fighters in it, but in reality, it was kind of a low-key 165 title because for the most part, that's where the majority of these quote-unquote BMFers live. I mean, look, if you made a list of the 15 guys you would most want in a BMF fight, what, 12 of them would be between lightweight and welterweight you, you are right around there you know or or around or maybe even above welterweight closer to middleweight so that might be the better direction for a calvin gastelum who can put in fun brawls but can't seem to figure out the full picture i'm not convinced that if he can't get things together he couldn't be a title contender again at 170 i think he probably could and i don't hate that idea you brought up but to me it's like either do 165 the right way or just don't you know, I mean, I don't. Yeah. Some, some some sort of ghost title that kind of means 165, but not really. I don't know. I, it's not for me. All right, let's hey, jump to Luke, point three here. Luke, oh. Can I hijack your show again? Jay's carrying a loaded weapon right now, and we're just burying the lead. Are you going to keep it going or what? Let's yes for just a second. For just a second, okay. let's let's run through this a little bit more. Uh, all right, point three. 
So we're talking about this card. We talked about the main. We talked about the co-main. BC, one more time, I will pitch it to you, good sir. Anywhere you want to go from the rest of this card, who else from Saturday's event impressed you? All right. There's a guy who impressed, I think, all of us the most. I'm going to save him for one second. I do want to complete that flyweight title picture conversation because that Askar Askarov uh, Pantoja fight was absolutely fantastic, Luke. They said it obscene pace. Pantoja always sets an obscene pace, and he couldn't keep up with this pace. I sort of said, Luke, last you know last Thursday's show, if you don't know about, about this Russian fella, you better Askarov because this guy screamed title contender to me, right? Only had that draw with Moreno that was all action, had won all of his tests coming in. Dude, that's a hell of an elite win that he had over Pantoja. I don't know if Askarov's going to get the next title shot. Moreno's in that conversation as well. But Luke, any, like I said before, any com- combination of those three or four names, it's going to be magic in the flyweight division. And I'm very late to this party. So uh, please let me in on this. Uh, I want to talk Fiziev for days, but give my, my, my brother Askar Askarov the, the love he deserves, Luke. All right, so with that in mind, who else in that card impressed you? No, I just challenged you to love the man, Luke, to, to, to just accept it. This guy is a stud. Yeah, he's great. Okay, who else in the card impressed you? Wow, wow. Okay, okay. What, wake up, kids. We got the dreamer's disease. All right. Uh, uh, look, it, it was Rafael Fiziev all day at lightweight against Marcia Casey. Uh, everything, Why is it Rafael? He's, he's, he's from Kyrgyzstan. What did I call him? Rafael. It's Rafael. Raphael. Well, look, sorry, Luke. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, okay. All right. Uh, so Raphael Fiziev um, is a freaking cyborg. He's a freak of nature. I've already had people on Twitter. Oh, BC stop. You know, get that heart on down a bit. He fought a guy tailor made to make him look good. I understand the, the, you know, limitations of a Mark Casey, which is why, although we said ahead of this fight, he was going to break into the top, you know, five or seven in the division with a big win here. And he still seems far off. But to see the uh, the intention, uh, the bad intentions of every strike Fizev uh, seemed to show out there. Fizev, he was looking to finish the fight, Luke. It, it's, you know, again, there's very rare times that someone's talent just like leaps through the screen when you aren't woke to him. And I certainly wasn't. I didn't watch his UFC debut or I didn't remember it. This was a night where I'm, I wrote this guy's name down in my heart and said, uh, I'm going to follow him to the to the ending because I need to see him climb this lightweight ladder. Yeah, I, he is amazing. Actually, it's a funny thing. I actually spoke this morning with uh, with George Hickman. George Hickman is the head MMA coach at Tiger Muay Thai. I don't know if you know this, BC. So Rafael Fazayev, Fazayev, however you pronounce it, he was a, sort of a, a good, very high-level Thai boxer at the time in Thailand, had done work some other teams. And here's the connection. Brad Riddell who is now uh, one of the, well, he was Here we go, get the shitty kickboxing hoodie on, Luke. Right. Break it out. Well, here's the thing. He was the striking coach at Tiger Muay Thai. When he left that, Fizayev was the guy who took his spot. Um, and they didn't even know that the guy wanted the job. He just sort of asked to try out for it. And they were like, yeah, sure. And then, of course, he has been amazing. I asked George Hickman, like, how good of a wrestler on all the other phases is Vizayev, and he was like, he is very much the real deal. So um, be on the lookout for this guy. He, he looked like a wrestler, but then he had that, that lean back and everything else. I mean, he is absolutely phenomenal on the feet. The other sort of Tiger Muay Thai connection here I would make, BC, I'm going to go with Armin Saryukian. Wow, man. He is absolutely impressive. You know, he lost in his debut 
to Islam Makachev. But, you know, he put Makachev through the paces. Certainly he was competitive, I think, through the majority of that fight. And, you know, Makachev is more seasoned, a little bit more polished, better of a fighter right now. Okay, but still, you could tell right away he was amazing. The guy right now is only 23 years old, and he made Davi Hamos look foolish. It was not even especially close at all. And he didn't mind going to the ground. Beautiful double leg got out of the inside and or reverse De La Hiva when he rolled underneath uh, on the feet. Looked competent. George Hickman told me another story. His brother Frank is the wrestling coach at Tiger Muay Thai. Does some work over in New Zealand and Australia as well. And he told me uh, Armin Saryukian came through Tiger Muay Thai because they had a tryout and this guy won the scholarship at like 20, 21 years old. Frank Hickman had wrestled Division One, and he said after he sort of wrestled with Armin to see how good he was, he came by to George and he goes, uh, he can wrestle. And he said for my brother to say that, which he never does, is a big deal. So Armin Saryukian, be on the lookout for him. To your point, Rafael Fazayev, be on the lookout. These dudes, B.C., from like the Caucasus Mountains, like Indo-Europe, yes. you know, former Soviet satellite states. Boy, these guys are not to be played with. Yeah, Armin Katayan, probably another Armenian hero as well. Uh, shout out to your people, <laughs> Luke. Uh, but uh, I, I haven't seen you, no sh- you know, uh, cold shoulder, no sell a guy like you're doing right now with Askarov, I- except for that. that remember that uh, submission guy in Bellator from Israel? You were like, I want nothing to do with that guy, except for that. I've never seen you no sell a guy. Askarov's my guy, all right? If they submission make the guy from Bellator? Who's, which guy was that? The dude who was like 19, he had those flashy submissions back-to-back. You weren't drinking the juice. You weren't. You were I, like, don't, no, I don't I'll remember. Pass. I don't remember. You're like, I, you're like, I don't drink. I don't, you know, no, no, no. no. Yeah, well, I don't, know. I don't know. He's fine, but, like, I'm not one of the, like, I might be an MMA hipster, but I'm not one of these MMA hipsters who pretends that flyweight is the world's greatest division. I'm mostly bored by it. Um, not bored. I'm mostly unmoved by it. So I agree he is talented. I agree that fight was good, but I don't have... You know, I don't have a uh, a stiffy like you do for. There's got to be a personal uh, grudge in there somewhere. Somewhere. No. Deep in there. What, what do I have against Askar, Askarov? Oh, I have nothing better, against him. No, no, no. I'm just not. All these people out in MMA are like, it's a travesty what the UFC has done to flyweight. And then on when I have to produce flyweight content for people to read, and this is before, of course, they gutted it. But even now, still, no one reads it. No one listens to podcasts that are about the flyweight division. Everyone likes to chirp like they think it's the best division on earth and they care so much about it. They're all liars, BC. I just, I just don't pretend. I, at the end of the day, I just wanted to hear your, you say it. You know, last week you didn't want to talk about this fight. I'm telling you, Askarov's coming for that ass. I just wanted you to give him the respect Uh, he deserves. He is very, he is is Uh, super talented. Give any love to Lipsky's uh, women's flyweight knee bar where I think she broke that poor chick's uh, leg. Did you see that? The, The opportunism and the presence of mind and then the viciousness, absolutely I will give it to her. But I gotta tell you, like the poor control by Carolina underneath you know, like there's a reason you don't see people do knee bars like that when they're in a calf slicer. Um, and it's because you're supposed to be chest to back with them so they can't just reach down and then fiddle with whatever they want to oh, fiddle with. Oh, look at that picture. Look at that. Look at yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's vicious. It's vicious. There's no denying it's vicious. Um, in fact, she's sort of, it's, it's funny, like, were she not in a calf slicer, that's almost exactly what you would want to do for a knee bar where you sort of sit on the chest to keep them pinned down. 
she's still a little high for that but you I, know. I think if you you break you destroy somebody like that you should be able to take the leg home and put like a lampshade on it you know christmas story style fragile yeah but, uh, put fragile on that bitch i understand exactly I'm just, uh by the way kind of sneaky hot too i know i know we'll edit that part out after but you know somebody was thinking i'm just it, saying I said it's it. a it's a nice submission i take nothing away but to me the best submissions are not just the craziest or most vicious ones although those count it's when you do it against somebody who's very very talented and Luke just you know, not into not into putting over anybody who's not Armenian today. Very interesting episode. Listen, here, right? I have my biases. If you're Azerbaijani, you're out. You're out. All right, let's All go right. to number four here if we can. BC, and I think it was reported by ESPN uh, just before the show. So now Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa, my understanding is I think it was Eric Hawani on ESPN saying and reporting that they have signed their bout agreements for UFC 253. BC, the question we have to wrestle with is is this if you think about all the title fights they're going to have now we're still only halfway through the year or so but you can kind of see what might be out there is this the most important title fight the ufc will have this year and the answer is no but yes and here's what i mean you've got dc and steep a3 just next month and because those two have fought before and because of where they stand in their careers the winner of that is basically going to take home not merely the UFC heavyweight title, but the unofficial title of best UFC heavyweight ever. Um, that's still somewhat debatable because Cormier didn't have the long career there, but I don't think most people are going to quibble with it. If you beat the guy who was the guy who was supposed to be that in Stipe, you do it two times out of three, kind of makes you that guy. So in that sense, no. But in another sense, BC, we just talked about Brazil potentially having a third champion. That's a big deal. In terms of the internationalization of MMA with Adesanya being from Nigeria and now, of course, representing New Zealand, that's a big deal. But the bigger part to me about this one, BC, is to me, if Adesanya wins this, it's another step in the right direction for him to be a star. He was on the cover of ESPN. He's on the cover of the magazine. He does all the interviews well. The UFC is dying to get this guy into a position where people really want to see him fight. He is so close. And the Paulo Costa fight seems like it has all the makings to get him there. Now, he has to win, so if he loses, forget about it. Paulo Costa could take his place, for crying out loud. But if Adesanya wins, to me, BC, I don't know if it will be the star-making moment, but it's got all the ingredients. It's a real grudge match. They don't have to fake talk like they like, you know, hate each other. They legitimately don't. It represents something so huge about UFC. They might even be able to do it, by the way, BC, in New Zealand with a crowd. That is not out of the question. We don't even know the location for this yet. So to me, if they had done... Uh, uh, Nurmagomedov versus uh, Tony, that would have been the biggest one. I still recognize the enormous significance of next month, but when you're talking about the future of the sport, BC, honestly, I think this one, in that sense, is the most important. Yeah, how often do we get uh, two unbeaten fighters and a major title fight and you have the backstory, they don't like each other, it's kind of the third time they've tried to make this fight due to injury and COVID, and at its core... This is a box of sex. You know, step three, uh, put your thing in the box. This is absolutely an incredible fight on paper because, Luke, like, the, the you know, styles make fights, but the best thing about fights are when guys are dance partners that match perfectly and Costa's unyielding straight-ahead style machismo. I'm going to find out if your backbone is what you think it is 
paired against, you know, the best counter striker going today in terms of most calculated and creative guy. This is, I mean, this is, you know, Hollywood casting for as far as styles go. And, you know, whoever does win, and, and, I, and you know, Adesanya deserves to be favored, but whoever does win is really going to get that, that giant catapult and push. And for Israel... You know, the Romero fight was was a detour. It was a speed bump. It, it didn't go the way it was planned. Uh, I, I got caught up, like a lot of people, and think it would be a great fight. And, uh, you know, should have woke up to see what the UHC matchmakers had seen when they told Dana they didn't want to match it. But he got out of there with a win, and this is that exact fight that can make him that next-level star for those that aren't woke to him. Absolutely agree with you on that, Luke. Um it's not more important than the others, but um, speaking of bag of sex, where was uh, stag parties big in your area, or was that like a northeast thing where I was in my twenties? Refresh my memory. What is a stag party? I think it's exclusive to New England. I'm not sure people can jump in, but if you're getting married, instead of like a wild bachelor party where you go out to a bar and strip club and all that with your friends, you would have a stag where you'd rent out a you know a, a Polish hall. Everyone would come and spend you know, a $25 ticket, which would get them a, a cheap buffet and all the, you know, bush light keg they can drink. And then there's raffle gifts. And depending on how um, cultured and sophisticated the potential groom is, those raffle tickets could be legit. They could be like, you know, second row Red Sox tickets or, you know, golf clubs or Xbox or something ridiculous. Did they have that in your area? No, I didn't really attend any cuck fest. I didn't go to cuckapalooza 2000 that was never on my well, agenda no no this is more of like a, a factory town thing the whole point is that pays for your honeymoon that's why you do this luke ah. but i would always i was that guy in my early 20s who was kind of like a professional stag attender where somebody would be like hey yo my buddy's having a stag you got to come tomorrow night and i'd weigh the odds i'd go 25 bucks can get me a buffet and all the bush light i can drink cold like yeah i'll go there so it was always like a you know a, a good investment but i always forgot to get a raffle gift which was sort of custom right How, what so, does this have to do with ufc 253 I, i'm going to connect the dots right now you know some people right. would buy a giant liquor bottle or something i last minute if i completely forgot to prepare would do bag o porn so i would get a giant paper bag <laughs> fill it with the grossest magazines i could find right in in uh, sharpie on the outside bag dash o dash porn put it on the table and it would always be like the first item chosen by some creepy old guy who would then pass it around to all the old like italian dads the rest of it was a giant hit this fight costa adesanya is 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 the bag of bag o porn at the morning combat stag like this is it this is the one you don't think it has the potential to be that turning point for Adesanya or uh, one of the early turning points for uh, for Costa if he ends up winning? Like, yeah, it's a to me, making, to me, it's, here's it's the thing. Giant. Here's here's the thing. If 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 Gaethje goes up and I mean, there's all different ways to measure significance, right? As I mentioned, DC Stipe three title for best heavyweight ever. I mean, that's a huge deal. I can recognize that. And if Gaethje goes over there and beats Nurmagomedov, I don't know that he will, but let's just say that he does, then that carries like its own form of enormous significance. But still, you can just kind of tell, man, all, all roads at middleweight lead to this. You can't go forward at middleweight until you settle it and you have dynamic personalities, dynamic guys in front of the camera, totally opposite styles, totally opposite parts of the world, and both of them are not stars yet, but they're just, you know, they're kind of inching there. I don't know. It feels to me like one of those things you'll look back on, like that was the point in their career where X did this, you know? Right, because you're almost guaranteed to get 
a finish that that like Costa's going to make you knock him out, right? So you're almost guaranteed to get the kind of uh, performance and finish that is currency to yanking those casual fans in. So if Adesanya wins this, he's probably going to have to stop him to do it, and he can give the soundbite afterwards, and casual fans will will lick that ish up. So it's a perfect setup fight, Luke, if he can get through it, and it's going to be a violent test. All right, with that in mind, let's go to our fifth and final point. So we have looked back at the news and the results from last weekend. Let's look ahead. Darren Till returns to the cage against Robert Whitaker in a middleweight title. Well, not a title fair, but I guess potential title contender bout. Um, first, let's talk about who is likely to win BC. And the answer to that question is, i got to be honest, I, I, I'm going to guess Robert Whitaker... If he is back to being Robert Whitaker, where he is taking his time, where Till is a big target at 185, both of these guys, former welterweights, you know, but Till is clearly the bigger of the two. And at 185, when you look at them, you say to yourself, one guy is sort of a step and slider, another guy is a, you know, a, a hop and, and, bl- and blitzer. And it didn't work against Adesanya, who's very creative that way, but I think it might against Till, who doesn't have quite the reflexes or speed that Adesanya does. And also, I think that Whitaker had that long layoff, and you know we all know about the other issues that he had. Now he seems to be centered. He seems to be a little more focused. I think he was just a little bit too hurried in the game against Adesanya, but I still think if those guys fought again, the second fight would be very different. Maybe Adesanya wins again. I'm just saying, I don't think it would look like the first at a bare minimum. I think you get a lot of those elements here, except Whitaker can do some of the things that Jorge Masvidal did uh, and get in and out. And so I like him to win. Uh, you know, Again, not an official prediction, but I lean that way. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you nailed the, the whole sort of handicapping element. It depends which version... Uh, of Robert Whitaker we get because he's one of the I mean certainly was one of the most elite fighters before losing his title on a pound for pound sense but he might be like the most balanced and well-rounded elite fighter that we've seen in a long time and has that disposition and toughness to go through hell 10 rounds with Vitor Belfort made I'm sorry not Vitor uh, obviously Romero made him Luke and then, you know, probably played a big part in breaking him, unfortunately. So um, I think talent versus talent, Whitaker wins this all day. He's going to have to answer some questions, but I think they're very answerable. He has more in the bank from, uh, you know, reputation, credibility-wise, for us, I think, to believe and give him a chance that we're going to see at least 90% of, of what he was on this one. I think he gets back to that Adesanya title rematch no matter what. And to your point, Luke, it's going to be a a much different fight i think it could be a five round like classic chess match it can be an absolutely Mm. incredible fight he's got to get through till to get there but i've never been a big till guy and uh really you know good good gastelum win but you know you you, we can go back on the tape to the mma beat days i told you straight up willie's gonna knock this guy out he's not of this ilk he didn't beat stephen thompson they rushed him in there because they thought he was the next connor in terms of marketable european guy um, I give him credit for going to a new division and, and settling nicely, but he doesn't seem to have, in my opinion, those plus abilities to, to, to bring a fight to the next level where he will need it to be to win these against the very, very elite. Let me play devil's advocate. You were not impressed with some of the evolution in his game against Kelvin Gastelum? I was, and that's where I give him credit for establishing himself in this new weight class as a player, which is why he could get this fight. I, I never, I don't think the guy's a fraud. I just don't see the, the upward potential to actually win a title, you know, and especially a middleweight and be anything more than a really tough out. Hmm. 
Interesting. All right. And then lastly, Winner gets a title shot probably, right? I mean, it wouldn't be much of a run for Till, but if Till beats Gastelum and Whitaker, you're like, well, I guess he has to get it. Uh, there's still Jared Cannonier kind of floating out there. I don't know what to do with him. And then you've got Hermanson who won. So what is your sense about what they do with the winner here? And Whitaker, I guess, would almost get like right back in there. Yeah, I think Hermanson is is a, is going to find himself more in the Leon Edwards spot. Uh, you know, it will still need to show you a little bit more. But it's Whitaker if he wins. Um, look, t- you know, Till has a marketable side. I'm not going to say that wouldn't be a fight they would make. But I wonder if Till won, if they'd look at their options a little bit more. I thought Gastelum could have been around there if he had won. He didn't because you had the built-in rematch without Asanya. But I want to f- see when Cannoneer comes back because I think he is more deserving than everyone else, Luke. And if Whitaker doesn't win and Cannoneer can get healthy and get back in there, maybe you make that fight. Yeah, I suppose that you have to. We'll see. Um uh, okay, well, with that in mind, let's get to the part of the show where the viewers, BC, or the listeners, depending on how they consume this product, get to ask us questions. It is time now for DMs from dogs. All right, there we have it. There you go. Uh, every Sunday, we put up a post on Instagram, at Morning Combat, and you can check us out there. All right, uh, I love this account, BC. Do you know King of the Lifts, the, uh, the uh, Instagram account? No. No, so they post... Is he, one of, is, is he of our ilk? Is he one of us? Yeah, so he's an MMA fan, whoever runs it. I think it's two guys. I'm not sure who runs the account. But they, it's a site, it's a YouTube channel, it's a, an account, and they do nothing but post mostly deadlift porn. Now, not people banging each other doing the deadlift, but I mean, oh, here's some ogre in the middle of a place where Fiziev and Saryukin are from, and he's doing a AMRAP of 770, you know, uh, hook grip. And you watch that, and then they'll, they'll do guys, you know, squatting 700 pounds in the uh, warm-up room at the Olympics. It's fucking great. I love it. Anyway, he asks BC, was Cejudo's hiatus a stroke of genius to create super fight options for him? He left, and now Flyweight has a champ who looks like a killer, and Jan and the Bantamweights can emerge as stars. Add the possible move to Featherweight, and Cejudo stepping back was great for creating more big fight options. Or, BC, was Cejudo legit never looking to return? to his previous weight classes. What do you say? Uh, I think, you know, just like we said back when it happened, I think he took this retirement largely to get out of the need to have to fight all the next killers in line at Bantamweight for the idea of controlling his own future destiny with super fights, yes. But I also think the timing was key because no live gates. And no live gates expected when he made that retirement out of nowhere seemed to justify why he'd be like, you know what? Screw this. You know, I'm not going to fight Jan and, San, and uh, you know, Sanhagen and Sterling and all those guys for less money. Why don't I, you know, now, well, now we got Abu Dhabi money. So now it's easier for him to come back. And I think it really would just make the most sense for, for, to try to get Volkanovsky in that featherweight title bout. If you're really going to try to go a la carte and pull a McGregor here, you have nothing to gain by going back and fighting the new champion in divisions that you've already conquered unless those new champions are just overwhelming uh, future stars from a marketable side where you're like, okay, you know, me coming back and facing them, we could do legitimate pay-per-view numbers and make money. He can't do legitimate pay-per-view numbers against, uh, against my guy Figueredo or against any of the up-and-coming weights at the moment. I right. think it has to be Volkanovsky or nothing. They do have a problem that that featherweight division is loaded. Uh, Alexander the Great said he doesn't want that fight. He wants the real contenders in the division because he thinks people will favor him because of the size. He would take it if the money is there. 
look, I, I could see this being the type of fight that UFC would want and would want to put the money there because uh, Cejudo is so marketable. If somebody's got to be the first three-division champion in UFC history, I always said it would be Conor that would get the first chance. And for all we know, he still may end up getting the first chance. But, you know, Suhudo has surprised me at how much he could make himself known and how great he could get himself to be on a critical level that I could 100% see the company doing that. Here's the thing. You just got to call it like what it is. None of those fights are super fights in the sense of what Suhudo is looking for. All right, so let me give you an example. If he fights Figueredo, to your point, it's not going to sell. It's a great fight, but it's not going to sell. If he fights Jan, it's a tremendous fight. It's not going to sell. And if he fights Volkanovski, it's a tremendous fight. Why are we under the impression that that's going to sell? Volkanovski, I don't think, to my knowledge, has ever uh, headlined a pay-per-view as champion. I don't think he's headlined a pay-per-view, period. And so I, there's no clear telling exactly how big of a star he is. After the last win, there's a lot of people upset that he won at all. And Cejudo was up and coming as a star, but he hadn't crossed over. Now, that fight is huge with historical significance for the reasons you mentioned. And I think it's a big fight certainly for inside the bubble hardcore fans but does anyone really think that like Cejudo versus uh Volkanovski sells more than 300,000 buys I, I just no no I, I no, think you put it you put it in Australia Luke and you'd you'd make a giant gate on a full stadium and yeah, you'd do that you decent do, yes. pay-per-view numbers not great pay-per-view numbers here but you take the chance that if Cejudo wins that maybe that boasts him up to another level as you know quadruple C or quintuple C or whatever he would call himself at that point yeah, although if he gets waxed, which I think he probably would, then you're just like, oh, why did we make this fight? You know? Well, All Luke, right. couldn't so No, no, tell, look, hold on. Stay right here. Park, park, park it, okay? Do you think Cejudo could wrestle with that guy? Um, not really. You know, and when we say wrestle, we mean like in an MMA context. Not yeah, really. Like, like be able to win the fight by taking the fight to the ground more often than not. No. Mm-mm. I think you might be able to get him down for a second, maybe once or twice, you know, but holding that guy down, no. Mm -mm. I mean, he could barely hold down Demetrius Johnson. You know, no. I just don't see that. Uh, hey, my, hey, my kids matter. bought me, uh, my kids surprised me with UFC 3, the game from on Xbox One this past week, this weekend, Luke. Okay. Yeah. So Great you don't weekend. get enough MMA in your life, you don't have to play it as a video game? Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Doing a I lot can, of, I doing can. a lot of, uh, I'm, I'm going to take Rose to the top. Okay. Through, through that, through that straw weight killer division on, on my All right. game. Okay. So leave me alone. From I'll play you online, Luke. Okay. I know you got some PC and we screwed up last week with the, uh, Mortal Kombat talk. You're playing 11. I'm playing XL, whatever. Okay. Yeah. You know, Shocker. Whatever. You're playing the old hoopty version and I'm playing the, the new hotness. Uh, yeah. all right. At belly of lead, John Jones just turned 33 BC. Will he be a heavyweight champion by 35? Yes. Oh, I say no. Yes. Yes, he will. You think so? Yeah, we got to get arenas back. Um, he'll come back. He'll, he'll, you know what? They're probably going to have him rematch Reyes. If he be, if he wins that, it's a tremendous win. You know, it's almost, it's not, okay, it's not Ali like, but it would be like, you know, older career John Jones had one close fight and then came back and figured out how to not make it close. It would be it would be great if he went to heavyweight from there. I'm saying it right now. I will favor even this early 30s version of John against every single heavyweight out there. At 35, I don't know. I don't know. I think John looks a lot different in two years. 
You know, at that point, he'll have been fighting for 14 years in the UFC. Mm. You know, and I guess I he's think, had some. You know, I guess he's had time off, so that's not quite true, but still. He he is uh you know Teflon John. He just seems to always find a way, Luke. Okay, although we did see that that booty call on the phone during the during the uh, Albuquerque pullover. I know you don't want to act like it, it was there, but it was there, Luke. I, it's not that I don't want to act like it was there. I just don't care. All right. It's like wow, do you care? Famous do you care famous about- athletes want to get laid. I can't believe it, you know. Luke, do you care about uh, this show at all? Because we did, you know, b- despite you just dropping a doogie on Askar Askarov, we did tease a big announcement here, and we're we're like an hour into the show, and you're just like, so, so hold you on, know, we'll get to it at the end. Well, you know, so now, it's not going to be, be that big anymore. So now it becomes relevant. All right, from at Telvin Kippa, Kil- no, Telvin Kippapa, Tribe Call Quest BC or Beastie Boys? What do you think? That's not the question I see on the screen, all right? What do they have up there? Oh, I skipped one. Fuck it. All right, Terrence Croonan. God, what a day. If you could only watch Costa versus Izzy or Khabib versus Justin, which one would you pick? Costa versus Izzy. But it's close. It's, it's, it's a flip em. I really think it's a flip em on terms of which one would I rather see, which one would be more entertaining, which one do I need to see the answers to. I think I need to see Habib Justin a little bit more to find out I want to find out if Ga- if Gaethje is is of that ilk, right? But I think I'd get more entertainment out of Costa walking him down. I tend to think I have a feeling that Nurmagomedov and Gaethje might end up being a better fight. To be honest with you, I I don't know that, but I don't know. It's just part of me that feels like it's like is Justin the guy to beat Nurmagomedov? I don't know, but I do feel like he's the guy to like really kind of push him to his limits. I do think that is true. Uh, and at the same time, I think the same thing about Costa and Adesanya, but I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. So then, so then we go to Telvin, Telvin Kipapa, Tribe Call Quest BC or Beastie Boy, since I fucked it up before. All right. Tribe Call Quest. Oh. And, and, and believe me, I love me the Beastie Boys, right? That, that new Sirius XM channel is pretty badass, and, uh... I am a, a diehard check your head guy. Got all the albums, but I am a check your head guy to the to the nines. But uh, come on, Tribe Call Quest to me for my rap taste. Uh, you know, I've had seasons in hip hop. I'm not some you know all time historian and uh, and yeah, I liked Hamilton. So f you, Luke. But uh, you know the deal on this. The tribe is is the most sophisticated. The fusion of jazz. The uh, the two-man MC interplay between them. I mean, that's you talk about dance partners, right? Israel and and Costa, like put Q-Tip and 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 uh and Fife together. It's I mean, you're on point tip all all the freaking time, Fife. All right, like yeah, I, I've got I own every album. They're the greatest. Okay, to me, for my tastes, they're my favorite uh, hip hop outfit of all time. I won't say they're the greatest, but they're they're Your my favorite, favorite yeah. of all time. Yeah, I, I can get down with that completely. Uh, Tribe Call Quest to me is far and away better. Can I tell you something, BC? I mm-hmm. realize what I'm about to say is blasphemous. All I can do is just tell you I feel this way. I've tried to listen to the Beastie Boys. I can't do oh, it. Get, dude, can't get, do it. Okay. No, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Um, what, and when you say I've tried to listen to them, what, what albums have you invested in under what circumstances? Okay, so first of all, you because, have different... You have different, you have different phases. 
no, I let me spit this out. I'm not saying I'm Casey Kasem or Kurt Loder here, but you're you're walking thin ice for your musical tastes over the history of this show. You I recognize know. good I shit, know. okay? But can you hear Jimmy? I don't know because of this cannibal nonsense. Speak to me here, okay? So first of all, I just want to remind you, we are in complete lockstep with the Tribe Called Quest, number one. Number two, and I recognize I'm totally outvoted on this. I get it 1,000%. And the Beastie Boys evolved over time. So you have like the early party Beastie Boys where quite literally you got to fight for your rights to party, uh, no sleep till Brooklyn, Brass Monkey, that kind of a thing, right? Yeah, Paul's Boutique, one of the greatest albums of all time. Put that on tomorrow. You won't be upset, Luke. I understand Rick Rubin has a big influence as well. And then they got into like, in the mid-90s, they got into more sort of... um, I don't know what I would describe the style, but sort of emblematic through sabotage, you know? Yes. Which is big. Yes. And, and then they ended up in some kind of like playful place in the end of their career as well. I recognize people love them. I recognize they evolved. I recognize they were outspoken about Tibetan freedom. I, I get all of that. I don't Shout hate out them. out to Tibet. I don't hate yeah. them. I'm just trying to tell you, every time I turn them on, how do I explain this? It's like I, I just don't feel anything. People are like, yeah, don't you feel how cool? I, I don't feel anything, and that's the problem. Okay, I'll, look, I'll, you want to be really honest? You want to be really blunt? Are they overrated historically? Yes, but I still get down with them. I mean, you know, License to Ill, I mean, like I said, check your head when they're playing their own instruments live, which led to the, you know, the evolution into, the, like, the sabotage stuff you're mentioning. Like, they've evolved over time. They, they proved to be uh, an important, not a novelty act that has, you know, changed with the times, but... They're, you know, they're, they're also not like, Luke, let's, let's, can we be honest about Nirvana too? Nirvana was part of a giant shift from, you know, metal into grunge and they were the forerunners and they were freaking brilliant. But if Cobain didn't die, then they wouldn't be up there in that upper table. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that. Okay. All right. So let's bring let, Okay. Okay. So hold on. So let's bring in, here's the big reveal. It's producer Jay. Jay. What do you make of our Beastie Boys take, at least my Beastie Boys take, and what about the hot take from BC on Nirvana? Uh, well, first of all, as a member of the tribe, uh, you know, Beastie Boys are good. It's one of the small things that, uh, that anyone's done for us. So Beastie Boys are in, but I, I appreciate the hot take. Nirvana is amazing because Cobain died before 30, and he still had a lifetime's catalog worth of amazing music that still plays today. So that take is that's trash. No, that no. tape is with is that take the no escape of boy bands right there. Uh, well, I, Jay, by the way, how do we bear wow, Jay's screen getting bigger here. He's already taking <laughs> control. Uh, Luke, you know, you wait the whole show. You shit on Askarov. You, you you protect This is a big moment in the history of this show. Jay the producer has a voice, okay? Uh, okay, yeah. but here's the deal. He already he already violated it. He is not supposed to speak until spoken to and then he was chiming in my effing ear like a dog so he's already on thin ice with this thing but yeah uh, however bc shot on nirvana so you know it had to be done this is a uh, man who once hit a spinning back kick on uriah hall and dropped him okay uh so here's the deal i fought for jay to get his voice heard because um you know this is this is either going to be the best decision we've ever made in the show's history or a one week uh you know tryout here luke but uh you have, you know, Shatith on him many a times in history, and he's yeah. never had a chance to defend himself. And the commenters for, you know, years, months have said, uh, you know, I don't want to hear these fake conversations. I don't even know if Jay's real. Like, give us, give us something. 
So there yeah. it is. There's the back of Jay's head, okay? Turns out all I needed was a microphone for 1995. Yes, there you are. And there you go. Never to be seen again. All right. Uh, last question. At MT Booble, if you were to end up on Have You Seen This S, how much alcohol would be involved and what scenario do you envision taking place? Oh, Jesus. So that's BC. such a, a loaded and, and right question because we are in that era, Luke, where, like, you think about it. You know, Luke, you could piss a fighter off in this game by accident, you know? And they, Mike Ter Perry told me, you know, he sent me to hell on my own podcast. I could get Mike Perryed one day, like that old guy did at that bar. And somebody's going <laughs> to capture it on a cell phone and put it out there, right? Luke, you could go out with your college buddies from William & Mary one night and just drink, you know, way too many vodka and cranberries and, you know, and relive the old days and end up drink that going trash. and end up going streaking in, um, in uh, where are you, uh, Williamsburg, Virginia yep. there. And suddenly you're on this damn show and you lost your job. And you I mean, it can happen, Luke. I'm glad that we did our craziness right before social media yeah, and good cameras took over. But if you or I were to appear on this in a very unflattering light, I would have to guess alcohol and nudity would be involved. There'd be a, like, no, you know what I'm saying? That's not me. It would be uh, shoplifting shoplifting ah. i used to get hammered and uh and go shoplifting <laughs> do you guys have wawa up in uh up in connecticut no we don't i know of the legend i'm more of a sheets guy pennsylvania so it's, it's, area yes, but, it's uh, basically yeah. the the south of the mason dixon line sheets all other sheets down here too but yes more or less that's what wawa is Wawa's huge in jersey huge okay in jersey. so if you don't know who wawa is or what it is it's basically one of these gas stations it's like kind of nice for a gas station and they have a kitchen in there where these screens and you can go and punch up like a sub sandwich you want you get to pick every little piece or they've got like macaroni dishes or whatever and you, everything's made to order and then you know they have nice everything's clean you know dude I, let me tell you something i used to go and already uh, order like party orders worth of subs and, and then, then and then just dip out the front door when I was hammered, running like the Hamburglar from the nearest McDonald's, bro. And there was one time I got real bold. I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this. I think I ordered like four meatball subs. Why? I don't know. All right. I, th I popped a couple Snickers inside the... Uh, what were we wearing in the 2000s, BC? Uh, the, the, the pants with the pockets on the side. Cargo pants. Yeah, right? oh yeah. You got to have the you zipper know. around the kneecap, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So dump, dump a couple of the uh, Snickers king sizes in the old cargo pants. And as soon as they come up, whop, just grab all the subs. And on the way out, I scooped up a 24-pack like I was you know, throwing a ball down a, or a, bowl, down, you know, a bowling ball down the alley. Of, uh, of Gatorade on the way out the front door and just ran out like supermarket sweeps, bitch. I would do that. <laughs> they must have thought I was the fucking Billy the Kid of just shoplifting at fucking Wawa because I can't go back there ever. So, yes, I stole a lot from Wawa. Sorry. Yeah, that's that's interesting that you would say something like that where because there's times where I'm at like the mall and my kids just do something to really piss me off and I just snap at an unnatural level and I go, oh, wait, you know, I do have like that level of celebrity, meaning there could be one person in this building who knows who I am and they could get the cell phone cam of me like picking my nose while I elbow my kid in the face. I'm always waiting for that to happen. Luke. Well, I haven't done this in a while. I mean, it's been, you know, a decade or more since I've shoplifted, but I'll just say this, I, I, you know, I've had these moments where I shoplifted food and then woke up in my college dorm 
like, uh, and then there's like, there's, you know, meatball subs and, and cool ranch Doritos all over me. And I'm wearing all the, yeah, (laughs) yeah. you know, it's like, why did I get, how did I get a pack of, you know, Newport one hundreds? Where the fuck did these come from? I've had those. Why is Lou Pearlman well. here? Why am I the fourth member of No Escape? What is happening right now? <laughs> Why does my butt hurt? That seems weird. Uh, okay. With that in mind, let's go now to eat with the perfect intro, BC. Why does my butt hurt? Take it away. Yes, we uh, let's let's do it. Uh, here's what we do. We search the globe, high and low, the best, the worst, the good, the bad, and the ugly in combat sports and beyond. It's have you seen this shit? And we got a loaded edition this week, Luke. Buckle up, get ready. Um, we always start out with legitimate uh, killings, right? Let's go to one championship. Did you see this insane push kick KO, Luke? And why is that man dressed in a diaper? What is happening here? <laughs> God damn. Dude, he beat him like he was insulted he was fighting him. Oh, my God. Like, that's like, uh, you know... Silva Belfort on steroids that finish right there. Yeah. Bop, jab. Bop. Oh, God, you can get diaper rash from that kind of finish. That's great right there. All right. Hey, Luke, we teased it earlier. Let's go to UFC Abu Dhabi. Our guy, Raphael Fizev, Fiziev, pulled out this Matrix-ish that a lot of people are talking about. Took both the red and the blue pill. Luke, I don't know if you remember on this segment, We've done a kickboxing one just like this. Turns out it's the same guy, Fazeev. You remember that a couple months ago? I guess I didn't, but now that you mention it, it sort of rings a bell, yeah. Dude, what kind of core strength do you need to do this and not end up on a stretcher? Oh, and balance and everything else. That is, and reflexes. That is ridiculous. He is ridiculous. He's a A-plus athlete absolutely ridiculous uh luke in the hangover of ufc 251 masvidal usman a lot of people sending me these zapruder pictures so i want you to zoom in here and check out uh usman what is his intention here bro what are we doing here mm. you know is he saying basically hey jorge if you got a big let me search it is that what's happening here uh that's interesting I almost I thought he, see the guy's know, didn't, ball hair. Didn't, didn't uh, Jorge accuse him of being a crotch sniffer, not a, you know, other form of yeah. crotch touching? It's very uh, Crocodile Dundee-like. Remember, he was unaware of that person's sex, so he just found out the uh, illegal way? Ah, uh, yes. Ca- casual scene. 80s transphobia. Yes. that. Well, look, it, you know, it's a dated scene. We don't live our life or our world like I that. But uh, thank you. All right. Hey, let's go to one of our favorite viewers at Brantendo64 underscore on Twitter. Luke, he purchased the morning combat mug, and he came out to do his Luke Thomas impression. This is well done. It's pretty good, I have to admit. I showed it to my wife. Even she said it was pretty good. Shout out to this guy. Apparently, he's like a uh, professional video game player, streamer, or maybe, I don't know. Can you go professional in that? I don't know, but, you know, we have By the way, nice he, looks, he looks 15. He might be. He might be. I, I, I wouldn't take him as a candidate to uh, steal my kidney and have me uh, wake up in the tub behind you after <laughs> with four meatball subs all over me. He looks like one of our more normal. Uh, yeah, he's definitely more know. normal, and he has a nice setup, too. He's got the uh, purple lighting in the background, but then he's got the regular lighting on his face. He kind of knows what he's doing in, uh, with the camera there. Good work. I'm sure he can figure out how I can play UFC 3 against you online, Luke. You should play you- UFC 3 against this guy, and when he wrecks your shit completely... Like Figueredo did to Benavidez, we should play it on the show. 
Okay, I'm in. I'm in on that. All right, let's go to uh, the concert scene. I think this is a Cannibal Corpse concert. Sometimes people have great ideas. They want to be part of things. They want to. They want to stage dive. They want to get their friends around to help them out here. Plenty of seats still available at this call. <laughs> oh my God, Luke. Face plan. Oh, holy shit! Yeah. Not a Cannibal Corpse concert. I can tell you that. Yeah. Did you ever stage dive, Luke? Did I ever not stage sta- No, dive. not stage no. dive. Sorry, crowd surf. Have you ever crowd surfed? No, I was always too big for that shit. Because I got a fat guy dropped on my head at a 311 show in 1997 when he was surfing. That was not yeah, fun. But that's, but that's karma. That's, that's what you get for going to a 311 show. I always felt bad. For, I know that, you know, I always felt bad for the chicks who would crowd surf in the 90s because they just get looted, Luke. You know, it's ridiculous. In fact, oh, it, let's yeah. go to... Let's go to a superstar. This is from 2009. This is Beyonce in London. She's got a lot of balls to try this because, you know, I could go to a Beyonce concert and take home a, a poster or a T-shirt. I could also grab them biscuits like a lot of these guys are doing. Does Jay-Z know about this? Oh, man. Yeah, I don't recommend that. Nope. I don't nope. recommend that. Now, like, hey, you wanted front row. That's what you get. That's what Gallagher used to say, Luke. Uh, speaking of that, let's check out this throwback 90s NHL clip. Um, I, certainly, these fans will never buy front row tickets again. In fact, they may, they may be blinded Ooh. by this, Luke. That is incredible. <laughs> it's like when uh, that was like Rose when Connor threw the dolly at the bus window. Uh, yes. Yes, that was. Ray Borg. Sorry. Sorry for your, uh, Ray Borg your uh, too. iris yeah, there. Yeah, fucked his eyes yeah. all up. Yep. Yep. Have you ever, have, by the way, have you ever sat? Like, in those seats at a hockey game? No. I've sat, I've sat legit front row at a Celtics-Knicks game in 2001 under the hoop, like directly next to the support. That was pretty badass. I've been on the wood for, uh, for a Wizards game, but that's not a big deal. But the Caps tickets are always so fucking expensive because it's a good yes. team. It's impossible. Dude, these things are like 700 a pop. I'm not spending yeah. $1,400 so me and my wife can go watch Ovechkin, Borchek, you know, yeah. I don't know, Evgeny Malkin yeah. or some shit. No, we don't, yeah, we're not in for that shit. All right. Hey, let's keep it moving here. Uh, it's uh, birthday time, and uh, let's bring out the adult pinata. Luke, these always end bad. Let's be honest, oh, right? Somebody Jesus. always takes it to the pills here. Uh, oh, yeah. Jesus. This guy a little reckless. Oh, God, God, God. I mean, that's what you get for wearing jorts, Luke, I think. But uh, what is happening here? Dude, wow. both, of the, both of these zeros wearing jorts. Oh, right to the, uh, yeah. Woo. Did, yeah. It occur to, right. did it occur to nobody that your two sticks here in this particular case are the same effing length? And by the way, as you stand up, now your eyes are face level with his balls. Yeah, that's, ah, these that's, idiots. that's stick on stick right there. Wow. It yeah, really hey. is stick on stick. Speaking of that gross stuff, it's tip on tip time, Luke. Uh, look, I know that people, you know, they, they characterize us as, as, the, as the people who've carried this along. But check out Mark Hamill and, uh, and Han Solo here, Harrison Ford, Luke. I didn't know they were one of us. So who do you think was, who did you like more as a kid, Han Solo or Luke Skywalker? Luke Skywalker. The, the, the most badass hit character in, in Star Wars history is still Return of the Jedi Episode Six, full black Skywalker going into Jabba's uh, floating uh, casino thing. Yeah. No. Luke Skywalker was a whiny bitch. Uh, Dude, he was ba- like a teen, and he, and he lost his family. Give him a chance. He matured into... Okay, he became a whiny bitch again as an old guy. You're right. But in, in between, in his prime. Give me Dude. prime 
Skywalker, at the end right? of Empire Strikes Back, he's talking like he had a stroke with, you know, at the side of his mouth. Dude, they cut off and his, like, his yeah. hand. Cut off his hand. This is like the Thomas life saga right here, right? No, he was a whiny shithead. The, the best character in all of Star Wars is Chewbacca, number one. And then number two, it's Darth Vader. That's it. That's your, that's your power rankings. You got to have Solo up pretty high there, though. Yeah, because he was Chewie's friend. But I always was a. I was. I, this is a pro Chewbacca household. I have a Chewbacca doll right here. I, I thought you pointed to your beard. I was going to say, are you? Are you? Uh, are you very? Uh, shout out to the Wookies there from Kashyyyk with that facial hair. Listen, it's like Vinny Paz says: big guns, big beards, bunch of Chewbaccas. That's who I run with. All right. Okay. Well, speaking of uh, tip on tip, it also goes for Padres fans. Check out these. Uh, MLB diehards. They got on the big screen, Luke. They start dancing. We've all done this at a pro game, but not a lot of us turn toward each other and go TNT during it. Check this out. All right, yeah, yeah, they've got well, nothing going. Like, of course, you don't worry about doing this when you have no job to show up to the next day. We don't have audio, but that's got to be uh, Cotton Eye Joe by the Rednecks playing, right? Cotton Eye, yeah. <laughs> Rednecks with the X. Yeah, or the uh, it's blue Daba D. That one, that one might yes. get you up on your feet a little bit. That is great. All right, hey, the tip to tip don't stop. Let's take it to the golf course. Check out these two friends. They're gonna lo- lock their tips together and <laughs> and hit a big putt here, duo style. Tiger on sixteen. Hell yeah, that uh, is it, fantastic. Is this where they bang each other? I was going to say, when the camera ends, I'm sure they make out afterwards. But, uh, Luke, if you and I ever go golfing, we, we, have, to, we have to nail this, okay? Not yeah, each other. we have this, to do it. We have to, I agree. I'm not much of a – I don't know a whole lot about putting, but um, I'll give it the old college try. But look at the, look at the read on that and the curve. That, that's but great. Only, right? only if we go shoplifting in the pro store before we leave. I'm in, I'm in on that. We'll All end right. up on this segment, you know, with Jay as the new host with the schmo. All right, yeah. here we go. Um, a real knockout here. Check this out. It's a promotion in the UK called UCMMA. This is Mike Shredder Garrett. I think he sent that man to hell in two seconds. Jorge Masvidal, take a step back. And look What's at the weird-ass dance. After yeah, what is that dance? I don't know. Is he, like, climbing a fa- I don't know. What, what is he doing? But look, that's impressive. Is that the fastest knockout you've ever seen, Luke? That's up there. That's up there. Shout out to Shredder there. Probably a big uh, Ninja Turtles fan. All right. Yeah. Hey, let's move on here. You know these halftime skits they do at NBA games to keep people in? in this is called Build-A-Burger, Couples Only. I'm kind of aroused by this, Luke, and uh, I don't think that's Mayo on there. You are an absolutely disgusting creature. I you don't the, think that's the, Mayo. Are you saying that you and, uh, and the spicy Mrs. Thomas wouldn't go to a uh, Wizards game and try this? You think my wife would let me do some dumb shit like this? I, I don't know her well enough, you know? She, you and me might do this, and then my wife will have divorce papers ready for me when I leave the arena. She could be the beef in an MK sandwich. Is that where you're going with this? No, she is not. She is the fucking divorce papers in a failure sandwich. <laughs> and, and probably attempt to kick your ass. How is her uh, functional jujuts? It's pretty good, actually. She has a really good cross choke. She's a very good cross choke. <laughs> I've never said that about my wife. Hey, you know, she's a good cook. Pretty damn good cross choke, too. Uh, hey, Luke, speaking of fast food, check out this sneaky exit in a Dunkin' Donuts fight. Look, sometimes shit will break down, and if you got to get out of there, get out of there, Luke. <laughs> 
See, Luke, this is where the COVID <laughs> mandates actually save somebody, Luke. You got to be down for this. You know what? But they're not wearing face masks, BC. These people obviously don't care. <laughs> wow. You know, bro, she, that is a, you know what? I, I don't even blame her. It's like, listen, we exchanged a little bit on the feet. I stood yeah. my ground. I realized this was going to go south. I decided to get the fuck out. You know what? Yeah, somebody, Respect- I got to get a Dunkachino and get out of here. Yeah, yeah definitely. This is not going to go my way. Let's just get out of here. Luke, do they have Dunkin' Donuts in your area? Do they have Dunkin' Donuts in D.C.? Um, I don't know. Not many if they do. When you go out for coffee, do you hit a chain or are you more of like some Vietnam vet around the corner who has like a little place of his own? I usually try to go for there's a um, there's a Korean coffee shop I like to go to that's got really oh, good very coffee. Cu- very cultured, Luke Thomas. You're a man well, of just, many nations. You know, listen, the service is pl- great. Place is well maintained. Uh, they're friendly, and they make a mean cup of joe. And right. I don't have to watch uh, all lives matter here. Du- you know, jump under the COVID window to hey, get away from whatever the hell she leave, said here. Leave Karen alone. All right. <laughs> all right. Let's move on. Uh, it's time for famous athletes doing weird things with animals. Hey, Luke. This is unbeaten, unified junior welterweight champion in the red shirt, Josh Taylor, the tartan tornado of Scotland. He's about to get a kiss from a rose here on this seal. Would you try this, Luke? Would you be down and, for this? And I was like, wasn't that Fury's former trainer? Yes, yes, uh, Ben Davidson, yeah. who is now Taylor's new trainer. Uh, oh, wow. Caught him off guard. He tweeted out, I shat a brick when this happened. All right. I'm not yeah. really into, I don't, I'm not really into like making animals do shit like this. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like I watched the Blackfish thing. You ever seen the Blackfish documentary? No. Yeah, I don't, you know, I mean, this seal looks like he's not suffering exactly, but I, I, I like it when it's like, oh, uh, bear at Russian Zoo mauls entire staff. I'm like, yeah, that's I'm the with kind you. Of, I'm with you. Josh Taylor doing his best see. Heidi Klum imitation right here with this seal. Hey, let's roll on. Here's UFC heavyweight Ale- Alexi Olenek. Uh, we know him for that, what, boa constrictor choke? Just effing around with snakes. I mean, if, look, if you're that, that weird, you can probably safely pull this off, right? You ever held a snake like that? No, no, I'm not going to. I held yeah. uh, a, li- I've held a, al- a mini alligator. You know, I've I've touched snakes at at, at petting situations at zoos, but I yeah. ain't doing this, Luke. You? Uh, I've done this. Yeah, I've done the one where you put the giant snake around your neck. I've done that bit. That's that's not fun. That's not fun. It's like here, let's do a simulated uh, guillotine here. Off with their heads, and then the blade will stop. Which, one which by the way. I did that before I had, you know, I realized that animals are a friend, so I wouldn't do it now, but I have done it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Hey, let's end with this, uh, uni- in terms of the athletes and the animals. Uh, unified welterweight champion Errol Spence tweeted out, Recta Ferrari bought a horse, hashtag country shit. Luke, do you give him credit for, you know, making light of his own um, personal setbacks and um, no. getting out there and enjoying nature during the quarantine? No, but you know what? He uh, staying out of trouble. The horse looks like it's well-maintained, and, uh, you know, it's a badass look, right? Sitting on top of a horse like that, that's a... Hey, Canelo rides bareback on the, on the ocean all the time. He always puts those videos out. Remember we saw Aaron Pico with that horse? He had that you gotta be car- You got to be careful when you use language like Canelo rides bareback in the ocean. You have to clarify exactly what that means. 
It's 2020, Luke. Okay, thank you. All right, let's get out of here. Hey, uh, speaking of uh, guillotine chokes, uh, sometimes great fights happen in public. The vagabond-looking guy spit at the larger fellow. Oh, I've and actually it's seen on. this. I've actually it seen is this. On. Have you ever choked a man out of his clothing, Luke? Yo, they, they, they. There's a line that I can't say from Slim Thug, but it's the ending is uh, that he basically his triggers blow yeah. people out of their shoes and socks. Yeah, this dude choked my man out of his out of his pants, just like. Whew. Yep, uh, we got yep. a lot of bystanders. Nobody stepping in. No heroes there, Luke. Okay, Bop. throw that body aside there. Thank just, you. That's right. how I mean that dude. He threw that on the he threw that man on the ground, like I threw out my mattress in college filled with bed bugs. <laughs> well, I sure it's more than bed bugs there, <laughs> Luke. All right, but yeah, that's pretty violent. I don't know if I mean, but look, he spit on him. What do you expect? Okay, so Luke, here's I, the deal. I, 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 so uh, people were asking, like, well, what's your favorite street fight story? And I've tried to get you to watch mine. I saw one on the DC Metro that was pretty incredible. But in it, BC, I talked about rules for street fights, and which is when will I intervene and when will I not intervene? When do you intervene here? Uh, when, when, he, when it's clear that he knows what he's doing with that choke. And that he, and certainly after he puts him to sleep, I mean, look, I try, I'll try to defuse the situation publicly unless, or even, you know, yeah, whatever, unless I think I could get, you know, badly caught in the crossfire here. But if somebody's going to third world another MFR, I might just get out of the way, Luke, okay? Yeah, I mean, look, again, all lives matter here takes a bit of an L. It's like, don't spit on the gentleman who appears to be uh, four, four and a half times your size. And doesn't suffer yeah. your shit, uh, Kid Crystal Rock here? meth is a hell of a drug, Luke. It is. All right. Uh, hey, Luke, let's roll on here. Uh, we've got a couple more. Bros will be bros during cookout season. Check out this flying cross body. Look, the first guy that passes out at a party, you know, if there's a lot of shirtless white guys, weird things are going to happen. But this is pretty cool here. He takes the Nestle plunge on his buddy there. Just look, don't pass out. That's the rule. Look, you know, when I'm out with, you know, when I'm out with my boys shirtless with the white claws, <laughs> don't pass out first. All right. I am. I was prepared to shit on uh, this All Lives Matter party. <laughs> I have to tell you. All right. I have to don't tell go you. Don't too far because they're white. They're racist. Come on. I mean, I'm just have. I'm okay. just do. I listen. Can you can you laugh at yourself a little bit there? Why don't you be hey, more upset about Travis? it? No, hold on, no, right. hold on. Just yeah, be more uptight about the jokes that I obviously am not sincere about. I'm just saying I think this is hilarious, and I have wanted to do this to my friends all the. You can't be a white guy in your 20s and have a friendship that doesn't involve hurting your friends physically. Yes, yes. Now drawing a dong on their forehead with a marker, I, I'm not. Re- I wouldn't go that far, Luke. Okay, all right. Yeah, well, I've done hey, that too. But hey, Luke, you ever try to slap your buddy's ass at a Turkish bath and uh, and have this happen? Luke, can we get to the bottom of this? I know we see it in movies sometimes. People say that they're still around. What is the uh, what? Why would people want to go to a public all male bath? Why? So so okay, I, I've been to Turkey, and my wife was like, "Why don't you do this?" And I was like, um, "I don't have any desire to sweat around hairy male strangers." With little to no clothing, what what about this experience is supposed to be relaxing? Yeah, go to the locker room at your gym. You'll see a lot of uh, of hairy, sweaty old guys with their balls dragging on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these guys at least aren't wearing their dress shoes, which apparently old men forget. Your underwear goes on before your pants and then your socks, or you could do underwear, socks, then pants. They put on socks, shoes, then underwear. 
So, yes. Or or socks, shoes, then shirt, BC, and then underwear. Or they uh, go zero to dong just to shave their face. It's like, who who shaves their face for a half hour completely naked in public? Who would yeah, do that? Yeah, th- th- these, these jackasses. So, no, I didn't go. They have these in Colombia, too, BC. So when I go and visit my wife's in-laws, they have these, like, baths, like, from, you know, Turkey is what they call it, basically. And it's supposed to be the exact same thing. And she's like, why don't you go? And I'm like, did I want to go in Turkey? She's like, no. I'm like, well, then why would I want to go in Colombia? She's like, I thought you Jay, hated the Turks. And I'm like, I don't Jay, hate the Turks. Can we bring you in here, Jay? Uh, you're a man of the cloth. Is this a, a uh, cultural, religious thing? Like, why do men do this? Uh, I do not believe this is uh, religious in, in any way, shape, or form. Jay, seen, Jay, or, uh, Jay oh. no one can hear you. Sorry. Yeah. No, I'm here. I'm here. Uh, it's not religious. Not religious at all. No. Absolutely. Would you, you, do, this, would you do this? Would you do this, Jay? No, and when I go to a spa, like I wear something, I you know, or like you sneak in when no, like you like you eye, you know, the jacuzzi, and then when nobody's in, then you run in naked. So you know, like to, yeah, I'm not walking around with. I'm not in this conversation. Thank you, Jay. That's it. That's it. Hey, let's let's close with this, Uh, Luke. You you've told people often that the first date with your wife, oddly enough, was at a shooting range. Is this how the date ended on public transportation? (laughs) You know, true love. Is passing out as your bear just drips all over your wife's Canadian tuxedo there. That's great. Uh, oh, man. That is awesome. Dude, the New York City subways. Can I tell you how little I miss riding those things every yes. Monday? Yeah, Holy don't fall asleep in the wet shit. spot. Yeah, that is gross. But you know what, dude? I'm not gross. above it. I'm not above it. I told you one time I went out uh, here in D.C. I don't, remember the, I don't remember the context. But I do remember this. I remember being on my couch waking up at 3. And you know that dude, when you do that bit where you wake up at like three and then you kind of like jolt awake for a second, and I jolted awake, and this is true. I had ha- I came home, I was like, I'm not, I haven't had enough to drink, and I poured myself another one, did not drink it, and then just sat there, and it sat on my like chest slash like barriga slash belly, and then when I jolted myself awake, <laughs> I I splashed the entire thing in my goddamn face. I had actually kept it balanced, BC. <laughs> Unlike this idiot, while I was sleeping, and it was only the process of coming awake did I then take a Jim Beam and Coke Zero shower. But I've done that. Oh God, Luke, you've you've shared with us that you can be a gross male and walk through first class on an airplane and just crop dust that tiny tube with all the uh, spicy Colombian food you ate earlier in the day. Where Columbia do you stand on? Where do you stand on uh, urinating in a public pool? Because I was at the town pool this weekend, hundreds of people, families there, and I'm like, somebody's pissing in here right now. Could I, I could see Luke Thomas doing that. Just, just, well, just How would you justify that? The level of chlor- uh, chlorine? Is that your justification? No, my justification is how I'm treated. So this is a true story. I hadn't peed in a pool in probably 30 years, right? Until two summers ago, I went with my wife to, uh, we, we went to Cartagena, which is a beach town in Colombia, and uh, there were a bunch of uh, Argentinian dudes there who my wife says they're not racist. I think they're racist. Uh, but here's what they do in South America, dude. People don't care about... Well, I don't, okay, yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to generalize. They don't care about space or noise. So here's what I mean. The pool clearly says, do not... In Spanish, obviously, do not play a personal radio. Don't do it. They show up with one of those like Bluetooth speakers that is so goddamn big, they look like, you know... A dude from a Spike Lee movie, do the right yeah, thing, Radio fucking Raheem. 1980s, okay, Brownsville, and they're blasting 
reggaeton, which I don't like. And the guy who comes over, who is, they're all white, obviously. And the pool attendant comes over to tell them to, hey, can you turn it down? They basically tell this guy to fuck off, okay? <laughs> so your boy had enough. Your boy had enough. Now, I don't have the Spanish to go and argue with them. They're not going to understand but, me. My wife. But I have the urine. But I do have the urine. Yeah. My wife uh, thinks that nothing's wrong with this. She's like, this is just how culture works down here. So I said, well, you know what? I'm going to tell you how my culture works. So in Los Estados Unidos, we vandalize things. And I walked into the pool and I walked the entire perimeter and I urinated the entire way through and then got out. So there was no possible way they could get in. Let me finish without bathing in my urine. So Che Boludo over in Argentina, how'd you like my piss? That is so ass pennies from uh, what's that '90s show? The uh, yeah, that is uh, wow. You know. Well, the don't be ra- the- don't be racist to the guy who works there, and when he asks you to turn down your fucking stereo, do it, or you get to bathe in my piss. I don't know, BC. Seems like an easy choice. Okay, uh, Jay. Let's not uh, invite Luke or his family to the MK Cookout later this summer. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> what these right. burgers aren't grass fed? Where's your pool, BC? I, what I do got- you think's in the burger? Yeah. Hey, let's end it with with some Jay video. Look at what I found on his Instagram account. Uh, can you cre- can you uh, critique his uh, his form here? Oh, look at this physical dynamo! Huh? Look at that facial hair. <laughs> that you know that facial hair kind of screams like. 40 divorced i bought a i bought a uh convertible right jay is that any of that true yeah, uh no listen. but uh i i did destroy this bag i mean i destroyed it bc you see how he's biting his lower lip that's the same face he makes when he takes his pants off before he touches himself inappropriately all right all right, all right. Uh, my I'm pants here. were off in this video actually in fact yeah. i'm not here for this jay slander i can't wait to get uriah hall though on the show one day luke oh, then we'll get the truth all right that is fucking awesome Yes, this is yes. great form on a terrible bag, I must say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, something's yeah. terrible. I don't know if it's the Everlast, but all right. Look, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty close to the idea of like, uh, you know, you, Jay. hashtag you, you old guy fight. Can you, if you and Jay, like, if we did it, I'm okay. I don't want you to punch each other or kick each other. Mm-hmm. But can we do a grappling? Ter- can we do a, uh, what are those weirdos doing in Abu Dhabi? Uh, submission wrestling? You know I'm not into submission wrestling, but I, I would promote a match between you and Jay, considering his background in jujitsu and your years of rolling. This is an interesting idea here. Yeah, that no, would not Luke last would kill very me. Long. Yeah, that would not last long. No, uh, not at all. All right, Luke has hundred pounds on me. Yeah, at yeah, least. but all right, all right, all right. BC, with that in mind, we got to keep things going because I do have another job. That is it for. Uh, have you seen this? Did yes. You put that on a T-shirt. Please put that on a T-shirt already. Yeah, thank you. Uh, what do you have today for odds and ends, good sir? Uh, I don't. I don't have the results of Pat Militich and the and Michael Nunn in their kickboxing match. I watched the highlights of that pay per view. It was. Uh, it was old. They were old. Look. Okay. Here's what I do have. Boxing uh, comes back this Friday on DAZN. Their first card. Golden Boy promotion since the quarantine shutdown. Supposed to be Ryan Garcia, but you know he's having troubles these days with the promoter. Canelo still don't have an opponent for this fall. We're hearing Lemieux. We're hearing Quigley. All that. But uh, Virgil Ortiz Jr. will be back. And if you're not woke to him, the 22-year-old Southpaw welterweight does very much seem to be the real deal and the next big thing in this division. It's uh, kind of a stay-busy fight against Samuel Vargas, a guy who has fought some big names at 40 and 47 and typically loses when he steps up. But it will be good to see another 
promotion and you know channel or streaming service come back luke boxing has had a slow go of it so uh excited to check virgil ortiz out this friday night and um i think he's really like a year away from really crossing the street and trying to get those big fights with the big welterweights a lot in the pbc of course i don't know how that's going to work promotionally network wise but that is a fighter to watch luke although uh ryan garcia we're not, we're not making any progress here luke i don't know how that's going to end okay oscar dropping bombs on him oscar giving him the luke thomas askarov treatment well that must mean he respects him if that's what you mean uh for my odds in nsbc we have bellator back this Friday, they're back at the Mohegan Sun Arena. Seven fight card, four on the main card, three on the prelim card. Uh, they've got Ricky Bandejas versus Sergio Pettis, so bantamweight contest in your main event. It's got Jordan Mean on the card, Tywin Claxton. Also, Aaron Pico is back, BC. Yes. Uh, and on the prelim card, uh, top wrestling standout Logan Storley is back as well um, at welterweight. So that should be kind of interesting. And, of course, they got Chandler versus card. Henderson. Yeah, well, you know what? It's Look, only you- seven fights, which, by the way, BC... The main card for the Saturday UFC event has seven fights on just the main card itself, 15 overall, the most in company history. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Uh, And look, you know, I I would have given Bellator some degree of a pass if they came with a really soft card. And while this card isn't overwhelming and star power there's some good matchups there's some good fighters uh spread across it i did talk to aaron pico about uh two months ago in the midst of the quarantine and you know he just he's got to try something new luke he's got to figure out the new direction and he feels really really comfortable at jackson wink and says for the first time he's uh beginning to understand you know the the teachings that he was slow to in the begin in the early in his career when he relied more on just his athleticism and and you know sort of uh natural gifts now he's by force but you know he's figuring out the game a lot more so i you can only wish this guy well came in with such overwhelming hype and has shown us you know the good and the bad but if he sticks to the wrestling moving forward like he says he will and use that more that of a threat to set up his strikes rather than just going out there to walk you down and knock you out Still early enough for giant things to come for this guy. Yeah, and he's not fighting a huge name, Christopher Hatley. I don't know much about him, which I tend to think is the right thing. He's been off, not for a long time, but, you know, getting back into the swing of things after the pandemic. And I always thought they had just rushed him. Like, he was fighting Leandro Ego way too early in his career. So, you know, getting a couple of, I don't know if it's a gimme fight, but let's say not, you know, oh, let's make sure we give him the toughest fight we can at featherweight. No, let's give the guy just some some reps, basically. I think that's the right call, so I, I, I am glad there. By the way, one note on this, and I don't know exactly what this means. I legitimately do not know what this means, but I asked Bellator about it. This fight is not airing on DAZN, so the prelims are going to air on YouTube, the main card on Paramount, and DAZN's not carrying it. Now, I always thought that DAZN would carry all of them, and then DAZN had specific Bellator events exclusive to them. I went and looked on inside the DAZN app, their calendar for that day. They don't have anything listed. I hit up Bellator. I was like, what does this mean? They're like, fans can get the prelims on YouTube and the main card on Paramount. I'm like, okay. So, uh, you know, there's been a lot of rumblings about where exactly the future is for DAZN and what it all means. They let go of, you know, of, uh, well, that was Turner Sports, but they were, they thought to be maybe in the play for, uh, um, for Champions League rights, CBS got it in instead. But um, I don't know what that means, but it must mean something, BC. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And, uh, you know, full disclosure, obviously Bellator, part of the larger Viacom CBS family that even this show falls under. Right. Uh, 
interesting change of events. We'll check this out on Paramount and see what it means for the brand moving forward. Uh, we don't have all the inside answers here, Luke. Okay? Yeah, they people think because so we work here, they tell us things. They don't tell us things. So, yeah. uh, But I did notice that in the press release. I was like, mm, that caught my attention. Okay. All right, BC. I think it's just about it for us. Let's remind these folks they got to give the video a thumbs up like this. Please. They got to hit that yes. subscribe button like that. What else they got to do, BC? They got to understand that, um, you know, we ain't our competitors. This is a different show, okay? We, we, we see what you're doing, competitors, right? Fashion shoots with Beck and Hanson, Courtney Love and Marilyn Manson. You're all fakes. Run to your mansions. Come around. We'll kick your ass in. Nobody's doing what this show is, Luke, and it's about to uh, take over the world, okay? You've got the music in you, Luke, okay? Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm fired up. I'm fired up for the future. It's going to take you subscribing. It's going to take you supporting. It's going to take you buying our merch and it's very comfortably worn believe me uh, a lot of big news to come from the merch side to everything involving all things mk but uh thank you for those who have um patronized us early they were patrons of what we're doing we've also been patronized many times but uh thank you to all from web scream to uh to uh you know across the board all of our all of our soldiers in this army okay phil mccracken there the uh chargers wide receiver coach love that guy okay oh, oh, yeah look you want to shout anybody out you're usually usually web like scream web scream has got to be the mvp i love the photoshops that he does please keep those coming and of course oh, dominic want- Volando with the simpsons stuff lately he's That's coming big. out with more it's great you know there's, there's stiff competition but web scream has been loyal for a long time i, I do think it deserves some recognition but if you want to follow us you can see it there instagram and then twitter for me and bc and then uh youtube obviously it's just morning combat with a k and then uh, of course i want to thank the good folks at showtime if you want to try showtime you certainly may showtime.com 30-day free trial keep it if you like it bounce if you don't totally up to you and then uh, as you mentioned you can go to store.show.com for the merch all right, PC, hey, Jay, to tell them. Jay, you did great. Oh, let me bring in Jay. Jay, you did great yep. today. You didn't piss anybody off. Uh, Jay, when's your new doc coming out? That thing about, like, airlines and points and stuff? Yeah, it's about travel. Uh, unknown, since travel doesn't exist right now. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, hey. Well, you really know what? I'm really glad you picked time. the timely subject. You really have great vision like that. Maybe I you started could, shooting it four years ago. Yes. Maybe you could uh, jump in your gigawatt machine and go back in time and put that documentary out last year. That would back be- in time. You know, I, I believe that's on Hulu. If you uh, want to check you know, that out. Jay yeah. told me. Jay told me. BC. He was like, you know what the future of uh, television is. He goes, Betamax working on a documentary. Stay tuned. No escape. I was like, okay, Jay, you really got your finger on the pulse there, guy. Hey, Jay does a Jay used to do a podcast with uh, what's that guy's name with Sinbad, my man, and I was a guest on it one time. All right, this is Where's this my- is all true. This is all true. We're Jay just was the guy. Very long Jay hated. was the guy who was like, listen, Apple's going to go out of business. I'm going to buy a Zoom. I listen to my podcasts on Zoom. That was you, wasn't it, Jay? No, but I, I did have a mini disc player that uh, I had on. <laughs> of course Thanks you did. Of course you did. All right. Well, we got to get out of here. Uh, BC, great. Today, you can always find BC stuff over at CBS Sports. For Malka, for Showtime, for BC, I'm Luke Thomas. Until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.